Hello, my fellow divers, and welcome back to another episode of Crime Dive, where we take a deep dive into crime. I'm your host, Lexi. Thank you so much for listening. If you're new, welcome to the water. We're so happy to have you. If you're returning, welcome back to the water. We missed you, and thank you for returning. Please feel free to follow me on TikTok as well as Instagram and using our support link to help us out over here at Crime Dive. I will leave all of those links in the episode description. My episode timestamps can also be found in the description in case you want to skip ahead. So today we're going to be speaking about the tragic murder of Playboy model Dorothy Stratton. This story breaks my heart to know that someone so young was taken so suddenly for such selfish reasons is very frustrating and I have a feeling you all will feel the same way. With that being said, let's get right into the case. Dorothy Stratton, born Dorothy Ruth Hoog Stratton, was born on February 28th, 1960 in Vancouver, British Columbia which is in Canada. Her parents' names were Nellie and Simon, and she had a brother named John and a sister named Louise. And Dorothy was the oldest out of the three of them, and she really took good care of her siblings. She was a great big sister. Dorothy's father, Simon, wasn't really in her life growing up. She was raised by a single mother along with her siblings, and this created a lot of abandonment issues for her when it came to men, which we will talk about a little bit more later. Nonetheless, Dorothy was described as being intelligent, shy, sweet, and very sensitive. She was just all around a very great person. So in order to be a Playboy model, obviously you have to be a bombshell beauty badass bitch. But Dorothy wasn't always the Playboy model that she appeared to be growing up. Dorothy actually used to get teased for her looks when she was a child. And I know that's pretty hard to believe given how beautiful she was. I'm gonna post some videos of her on my TikTok so you guys can see just how amazing she looked if you guys wanna check that out. People didn't really see her as being this beautiful blonde babe that she turned into. But in high school, Dorothy really blossomed. I think everybody kinda had that person in their school where they just returned one summer and you know they looked like a completely different person. That was Dorothy. So she did grow up in a pretty rough neighborhood in the British Columbia, but this never caused her to lose focus. She stayed on the straight and narrow as a child. She got straight A's. She was very good in school. She didn't really go to parties. She kind of just stayed home to herself. She didn't even really date that often. So at 14, Dorothy started working at a Dairy Queen in her hometown in order to help her mother with the finances. As I said, she was a single mom and that can be really hard when you're raising three children all on your own. And Dorothy being the oldest, she really wanted to help her mom out financially. So in 1978, when Dorothy was 18 years old, she was just working a normal shift at the Dairy Queen when all of a sudden a man named Paul Snyder walked in. Paul Snyder was born on April 15th, 1951 in Vancouver, Canada as well. Now, Paul was a very interesting character. He was a very showy man. He was very out there and flamboyant in the way that he dressed. He wore mink coats. He drove a black Corvette. He wore very gaudy gold jewelry. Who even knows if it was real? Paul really dressed this way because he wanted to appear to be more successful than he really was. So I guess it's almost like, oh, you look good. You feel good. But Paul was a very insecure 
man. He felt inadequate to the men that he wanted to be like. So he would dress like them in order to make himself feel like he belonged. So this is really just a whole big facade that he would put on. And he did this to create self-confidence. Despite this, Paul was a very streetwise man, but he was a bit of an opportunist. He was always looking for ways to make money. And some would even say he was a con artist. So at the time Paul met Dorothy, he was working as a small time promoter for car shows, but this just wasn't pulling in the money that he really wanted to see in order to keep up with this flashy lifestyle that he wanted to portray and live. So Paul decided to become a pimp. He would go to local clubs and recruit women to exploit for money. And he was known around town as the Jewish pimp. This is just a quick side note about Paul. This is a very interesting fact that I did not know. Paul actually created the concept of the Chippendales, which if you don't know who the Chippendales are, it's a group of male strippers and they travel around and they put on these big shows. They kind of look like male Playboy bunnies. And he came up with this idea using the same arm and neck cuffs that the Playboy bunnies used. Paul presented this idea to a struggling club owner named Steve Banerjee. And he actually took this idea from Paul and cut him out of the business altogether. So I just thought it was interesting that he came up with this really great idea, but he was never in involved in getting any credit for it. And because as you know, Chippendales is wildly successful. He was kind of a creep. Paul was very predatory. I mean, he was a pimp after all. So jumping back to when Paul met Dorothy and he walked into that Dairy Queen and saw her, he immediately saw dollar signs in a young 18 year old girl. She was barely 18. And he said, I can make money off of this beautiful young woman, which is just so odd to think when you see someone that young. They were nine years apart in age, so a little strange. But Paul saw that he could really profit off of her beauty and he decided to start grooming her. Paul would buy Dorothy very nice clothes and shoes and jewelry. He just showered her with affection. He even took her to her prom and she was 18 and he was 26. Paul even bought Dorothy's prom dress for her. Dorothy was just loving it. I mean, she was naive and she was pretty insecure because she didn't have her father around and she felt like she was getting the love that she had always wanted from her father. She was getting that from Paul. So she responded very well to this. She just immediately fell in love with him. But Paul didn't have the best intentions. He was trying to gain Dorothy's trust so he could get her to do things for money that he could later profit off. Of. Paul decided that he wanted to be Dorothy's manager. In 1978, the same year Paul and Dorothy met, Paul found out that Playboy was hosting the Great Playmate Hunt Contest, which was a contest they were having to find a new Playboy model for the magazine's 25th anniversary. So just a little bit of background on Playboy. I'm sure most of you are very familiar with it. Playboy started in December of 1953 by a young 27-year-old Hugh Hefner. The first issue of Playboy actually featured the iconic Marilyn Monroe row on the cover and became wildly successful. Now, Playboy is really designed to feed into the lustful habits of men, and it kind of allows them to indulge their fantasies without going too far over the line, even though that did happen a great amount. And the women in Playboy, they had to be innocent, but sexy. You could look, but you couldn't touch. They had to be unavailable and unattainable, but 
accessible at the same time. It's a very odd dichotomy. Hugh Hefner wanted women who were naive. He didn't want women that were too worldly and knew how beautiful they were. He liked them to be naive and innocent and almost virgin-like. Dorothy was this description to a T. She looked very grown because of her beauty and her looks, but on the inside, she was very childlike. She had never really left her small town. She didn't know much about the world. She was very naive and green to life in general. And this is exactly what Hugh Hefner was looking for. And Paul Snyder knew it. So he convinced Dorothy to compete in the Great Playmate Hunt contest by taking nude test shots to send to Playboy. Dorothy was very shy and very hesitant. I mean, up to this point, she hadn't even ever had a boyfriend. The thought of posing nude was just very foreign to her, something that she would never even think to do. And not to mention, she was a very shy girl. So she was pretty hesitant and she was also afraid of what her mother was going to think if she did this. And as you can imagine, her mother was not happy about this. But Paul was able to convince Dorothy to do it. And Dorothy got nude test shots done by a professional photographer and they sent them off to Playboy. And Playboy absolutely loved them. They immediately decided to fly Dorothy out to Los Angeles as a finalist in the Playboy Hunt competition. They were just head over heels in love with her look. This was her first time ever flying, her first time ever in a limo taken to the Playboy Mansion. In this competition, Dorothy was one of two finalists. It was her and another woman named Candy Loving, but Candy Loving ended up winning the Great Playmate Hunt. Although Dorothy was dropped dead gorgeous, as was Candy Loving, I think Playboy kind of realized Dorothy was just a little too inexperienced in front of the camera and just needed a little bit more time to grow. I mean, she probably wouldn't have been able to handle all of the fame and notoriety that came along with being the centerfold for the 25th anniversary. I mean, it was a big deal. And I think they didn't want to put that pressure on her yet. They just didn't think she was ready for it. Of course, she was still extremely beautiful. Paul saw that Dorothy had great potential to make it in this business. So he continued to push her to succeed in Playboy. Paul was very strategic. He was very manipulative. He knew how to get Dorothy to do what he wanted. He would play off of her insecurities. He would let her know how beautiful she was and how capable she was of being a Playboy model just like anyone else, which is true. But he wasn't telling her these things for her own benefit. He was telling her because he wanted her to continue to pursue this career, hoping that he could profit off of it. Dorothy's world just became bigger and bigger the more notoriety she got. You know, everybody's kind of like, hey, who's that finalist in the Playmate Hunt contest? Like, she's beautiful. Dorothy wasn't used to this kind of attention. So the more attention she got, the more she actually clung to Paul in those early days because she was very new to all of this and Paul was just familiar to her. He was almost like her security blanket and Paul absolutely loved that. He loved having this power over Dorothy. He loved that she needed him because all he saw was dollar signs. He saw Dorothy as his golden meal ticket. He didn't look at her as her own woman or as an equal partner. He looked at her as an opportunity. So even though Dorothy didn't win the Playmate contest, Hugh Hefner still really loved her look and he decided to make Dorothy Miss August 1979. And this really got her noticed. Dorothy began working at the Playboy Club in Los Angeles when she was only 18 and she worked as a door greeter for the guests that were coming in. Dorothy was then featured in a Playboy documentary special that same year and she was the main focus. So there was a lot of attention being put on Dorothy. Everybody was very curious about her because of her beauty and she was just very captivating. She was just special. As Dorothy began to get more attention, Paul began to notice that he was kind of being pushed out a little bit. At this point, 
Dorothy didn't really need Paul to be her manager anymore. I mean, Playboy was managing her now. She's like, I just want you to be my boyfriend. I just want you to be my partner. You know, you don't have to do the money side of things anymore. But that's not why Paul got involved with Dorothy. He didn't want to be her partner. He didn't want to just be her man. He wanted to be in control of her finances. So what brilliant idea does Paul come up with in order to make sure he can still benefit from Dorothy's success, even if he's not her money manager? He decides to pressure Dorothy into marrying him. But Dorothy wasn't really too keen on getting married. I mean, she was still pretty young. She just wanted to be with him. But this wasn't good enough for Paul. He said, if you love me, you'll marry me. Even though he probably wasn't marrying her out of love. Dorothy did love Paul and she didn't want to turn down his proposal. So she agreed to marry him. On June 1st, 1979, Paul and Dorothy got married. The people around Dorothy were not too happy about this. They definitely felt like he was just using her and that Dorothy really got married to him out of obligation. Dorothy and Paul had only known each other for 18 months, which wasn't a long time. In the year following Dorothy and Paul's marriage, her career just continued to rise and it came to a fever pitch when in 1980, Dorothy was named Playmate of the Year at only 19 years old. And this catapulted her career immensely. I mean, she was getting movie deals. She was getting agents. People wanted to sign her. People really wanted to work with Dorothy because, you know, she was the Playmate of the Year. Who doesn't want to work with the Playmate of the Year? So Dorothy began playing small roles in movies and TV shows, and she landed a role in the popular 70s show, Fantasy Island. In the same year, 1980, she had her first starring role in a movie called Galaxina, and she was absolutely gorgeous on screen. I mean, the camera loved Dorothy. With all the attention that Dorothy was getting, all the movie deals and the agents that were wanting to sign her, at this point, Playboy was managing her career and getting her these deals. There wasn't a lot of room for Paul to manage Dorothy anymore. I mean, she really didn't need him for that. He had gotten her in the door and she kind of just took herself the rest of the way. But Paul didn't want that. He didn't want Dorothy to succeed without his help because he knew then that he wouldn't be entitled to her earnings, which is really all he ever cared about. Hugh Hefner eventually set Dorothy up with a money manager that was working for Playboy. And this officially cut Paul from being in control of Dorothy's finances. And this is what really made him upset. He just felt like he was being slowly pushed out. But he didn't just feel like he was being pushed out of her career. He also felt like he was being pushed out of her life in general. Paul being the kind of guy he was, a lot of people just did not like him. People that were close to Dorothy, that worked with her in Playboy, they just didn't like him. They felt like he was weird and strange and they felt like he tried too hard to fit in and he just didn't. Paul stuck out like a sore thumb in the Playboy mansion. No one really liked to be around him. And if there was anybody that didn't like being around Paul, it was Hugh Hefner. And you don't want the big man, the person that runs the shit, you don't want him on your bad side. I'm sure if Hugh Hefner had approved of Paul, more people probably would have acted like they liked him just because Hugh Hefner did. But uh-uh, Hugh Hefner could not stand Paul. He felt uncomfortable around him. He felt like he just wasn't even good enough to be associated with Dorothy or Playboy. But I mean, he was Dorothy's husband, so there wasn't really much they could say about it. They kind of felt like they had to put up with him because they were married at that point. And Dorothy loved him. She loved having him around and Paul probably didn't want her to go to the mansion by herself anyway because of how controlling he was. So everybody kind of just 
felt like they were stuck with him. And Paul didn't care at all. He saw Dorothy as his ticket into the Playboy world and he did not care that people didn't like him. He was just happy to be there and he felt like it was an opportunity for him to succeed. Eventually, Paul took it a little too far and this threatened his chances of ever being associated with Playboy. So one day, Paul was at the Playboy mansion without Dorothy. And he was allowed in because everybody knew that he was Dorothy's husband. Paul was hanging out in the pool grotto with some playmates. Now a pool grotto is a cave that sits above a pool that you can kind of swim around and sit in it and go through it. It's like rich people shit. It looks really, really nice. The Playboy Mansion is famous for having this giant pool grotto. So Paul's in there hanging out with some playmates. Dorothy's nowhere to be found. And Paul was caught by security trying to kiss another girl. Security already didn't like his ass. So when they saw this, they were like, oh, hell no. Uh-uh. And they escorted him off the premises. And a rule was put in place that Paul was only allowed to go to the Playboy Mansion if he was with Dorothy. So this made it really hard to forge his own path in the Playboy world and build his own connections because by this point he was banned from the mansion without her. But that was his own dumb fault. I mean, why would you do that? So we're gonna jump back a little bit to Dorothy winning Playmate of the Year in 1980. Dorothy at a ceremony that was held at the Playboy Mansion where she was announced as Playmate of the Year. And it was reported that during the ceremony, her and Paul seemed to be very distant from one another. If anything, she seemed almost uncomfortable around him. Like she just didn't want him there, didn't want him being around her. And Hugh Hefner later comes out and says that there was definitely tension between them. Everybody kind of sensed it. I think that Dorothy winning Playmate of the Year was a huge turning point for her. Not only was it a turning point in her professional life, but it was also a huge turning point in her personal life and just her relationship with Paul. Dorothy won a good amount of money in winning the Playmate of the Year. And she appeared on the Johnny Carson show to announce her earnings. This year you got uh, quite a bunch of things, right? I got a $65,000 Russian sable fur coat and a $25,000 check and a $26,000 Jaguar and and a $13,000 bathtub. (laughs) What what, what was a $13,000 bathtub? I mean, it's made of brass, it was handmade, and it has uh, four jacuzzi jets on the inside. It fits about 10 people. Oh, I love that. <laughs> now, back then, I think it was more of an acceptable, more common thing to announce your earnings on TV. Nowadays, people would never do that because it's just a different time, and there's a lot more people that would target you and you know wait to hear things like that so they can rob you. But back then, I guess that wasn't as big of an issue as it is now. So I thought it was kind of interesting that she did that. But again, we're from different times, so it's probably normal back then. With all these earnings, Paul became more and more controlling. So because he wasn't necessarily entitled to this money because he's no longer involved in her career, he decided to almost demand that Dorothy give him money to spend on things. He wanted to buy a car at one point and he was just telling her, you know, hey, this car is this much. Get me this car. Give me the money to go ahead and get it. Paul even pulled Dorothy off of a movie set to get her to approve a bank charge. Really? She's working. Why are you pressed about this? It got to the point where he just wasn't concerned about being courteous or considerate. He literally just wanted her money. So the more control Paul felt like he was losing over Dorothy's career, the more he decided to put his efforts into finding someone else to recruit for Playboy. And he begins going out and searching for other young, 
young blonde women that look like Dorothy, but it's very hard to find and create another Dorothy Stratton. Lightning doesn't strike twice, very, very rarely. It was definitely obvious that he was just desperate for another meal ticket because he felt like he was losing his, especially because Dorothy started to tell Paul no when he would ask for money. She started taking power back and control back and she said, no, this is my money. I don't want to share and she shouldn't have to. I think being playmate of the year really just kind of gave her this newfound confidence and she was starting to become her own woman and really find her voice and Paul did not like that. He really started to feel more and more inadequate. The fact that he even had to ask Dorothy for the money and then if he was told no, he just couldn't handle it and he really felt like he had nothing without her. As Dorothy began to pull away from Paul, she started to cozy up to someone else. And this man's name was Peter Bogdanovich. Now, Peter Bogdanovich was an up and coming director, writer, and producer in the early 70s. He made a movie called The Last Picture Show in 1971, and this movie made him very popular. But in the mid 70s, his work kind of started to slow down a little bit. So he started hanging out at the Playboy Mansion. Now, it was said that Peter Bogdanovich, he loved the ladies. So seemed like the perfect place for him. While he spent time at the Playboy Mansion, the opposite happened for him that happened with Paul. Peter became very close to Hugh Hefner. I mean, he was a big time director. He was very respected and Hugh really liked him and respected him as a businessman. So they started to form a bond. And it was around this time in the mid to late seventies that Peter started hanging out at the Playboy Mansion that Dorothy was just joining Playboy. And it was there that they met at a party and Peter was immediately just mesmerized by Dorothy and taken with her beauty. I mean, it's not surprising. So Peter decided that he really wanted Dorothy to appear in his next movie, a film called They All Laughed. And he decided to write a role specifically for her, which was a big deal. This movie also starred big names, Audrey Hepburn and John Ritter. This was a really big accomplishment for Dorothy to be starring alongside such famous actors and actresses. Dorothy's role in the movie was playing a married woman who John Ritter's character fell in love with. And this plot was very synonymous with how Peter felt about Dorothy in real life. I mean, she was a married woman, and he was falling in love with her. And I really think Peter wrote this role for Dorothy just to kind of spend a little more time with her. I mean, I'm sure he felt like she was right for the role, but I also think he wrote the role for her just so he could have an excuse to be around her and see her. Over the course of filming, they grew very close. So much so that by the time filming wrapped, Dorothy moved in with Peter and it was official. They were in love, but they had to keep this a secret because Dorothy was still married to Paul, controlling, possessive Paul. But eventually they were seen around town just one too many times and word got out and Paul was devastated. He already was losing his control over Dorothy's career. So to find out that she had left him for another man and this man was an accomplished director and Paul wasn't very successful, it just broke him. It definitely attacked his ego. And he just knew he couldn't give Dorothy what Peter could in terms of taking her to the next level. I mean, Peter was a director. He could have her star in any movie he wanted. But Paul, there wasn't really much else he could do for Dorothy career-wise. So this just made him even more jealous and angry. People warned Peter to be very careful because Paul was a little unhinged and coupled with that abandonment abandonment and the betrayal that he was feeling, there was no telling what he was going to do. Everybody definitely felt like Paul may be capable of doing something dangerous, but Dorothy didn't really see this. And that was one of the qualities about Dorothy 
she was just very naive and she didn't see the bad in Paul. But nonetheless, Dorothy decided that it was time to move on and be with Peter. So she wrote Paul a letter officially ending their marriage. She said that she just didn't think it was working out and that she still loved him and she didn't want to hurt him, but ultimately she was in love with someone else. And Paul was really desperate to get Dorothy back. So much so that he decides to dig up an old deal that he and Dorothy made just to make sure he was going to have enough money to survive after she left him. So flashing back to a month before Paul and Dorothy got married, Paul decided to have her take some pictures to be featured on a poster. And they promised that when Dorothy made it big, they were going to sell these posters and split the profits. Now that Dorothy was leaving Paul, Paul decided to pretty much throw this back in her face and be like, hey, remember the deal we said that we were going to make? Yeah, let's do that now. And this was really just one last desperate attempt for Paul to squeeze more money out of Dorothy. So he decides to fly out and have a friend come and bring Dorothy the posters that she took all those years before and say, hey, do you still want to do this with Paul so that way you guys can split the profits? And Dorothy said, no, she was done. She was over it. She knew that Paul just wanted money. And although she still cared about him, she didn't feel right about putting out these pictures, especially because she was now working with Playboy. So it may have been a conflict of interest. And this rejection was the final straw for Paul. This was his financial security that he held onto for all these years. He was probably waiting until Dorothy left him before he decided to throw this in her face. And the fact that it didn't work, he was just desperate. So on August 8th, 1980, Dorothy and Paul meet up at a restaurant to talk. And Dorothy expressed to Paul that she was ready to move on and that she wanted a divorce. But for some reason, Paul felt like because he got Dorothy her start in Playboy that he was owed half of her earnings from that point forward in the divorce. And it's just so sad that the whole time they're talking about this and Dorothy is trying to be honest and express her feelings, all Paul is worried about is money and how he's going to be taken care of financially after they divorce. I mean, this is really all he ever cared about. So it's not surprising that that's what he keeps focusing on. Dorothy being the sweet person that she was, she didn't want to leave Paul high and dry. So she told him, you know, yes, you did get me my start and I really do appreciate that. So because of that, I want you to be taken care of financially. And she told him, once we get divorced, there's gonna be a settlement and you'll be able to use that money to support yourself or start your next business venture. And the fact that she was thinking about his well-being, even though she was still going to leave him, despite how much of a creep he was, just goes to show how caring she truly was. I mean, I'm sure she didn't want to hurt him, leaving him for someone else. So she tried to do what she could to kind of make up for it financially, because clearly that was all he seemed to care about. But people around Paul did say that he did love Dorothy and that he was very upset that she was leaving him because, you know, that was his wife. But I think he was more so upset about one, not having any more money coming in and two, not being needed by her anymore. I really do think it was all about him in his eyes. And Paul just felt very abandoned. He didn't want Dorothy to leave at all, but her mind was made up and eventually she moved her things out of their home and moved in with Peter. So in the week following Paul and Dorothy's conversation, just ending the marriage for good, Paul was pretty distraught. I think he started having a bit of an existential crisis, suddenly realizing that he really didn't have anything without her. I mean, he had no money, he had no income, he had no business ventures. People around Paul that knew him said that he started to act very odd. And one of the odd behaviors that he displayed was taking a special interest in guns. 
One of Paul's friends decided to let him borrow a 38 caliber revolver. I don't know how much this friend knew about Paul's mental state at the time, but part of me is like, you let your unhinged friend borrow your gun, really? But I guess he just wasn't thinking about that at the time. Paul took this gun and headed over to Peter Bogdanovich's house. And he spied on his house from outside a gate. And he sat outside just holding the gun in his car waiting for someone to come out. But after about two hours, there was no movement. So Paul decided to leave. And this is said to have been his first attempt to harm either Dorothy or Peter. I guess Paul's friend eventually came to his senses and realized maybe I shouldn't have let him borrow that gun. So he asked for it back and Paul returned it. But this didn't end Paul's fascination with guns. On the night of August 13th, 1980, he went out and bought a 12 gauge shotgun from a newspaper ad. And the people around him were just very worried. I mean, he was losing more and more control of himself mentally. He just couldn't bring himself down from the anger he was feeling and things were only going to get worse from there. So now I'm going to give you all a trigger warning. We are going to be speaking about homicide, suicide, rape, and sexual assault, as well as pretty graphic details. So, I mean, this case is just brutal. And if you are not comfortable hearing anything related to the topics that I just listed, I will leave a timestamp in the episode description for you to skip ahead to. On August 14th, 1980, Dorothy decided to meet up with Paul at his house. Paul asked Dorothy if she could come over and she said, sure. And they were going to discuss the terms of their divorce. But everybody in Dorothy's life told her, do not go. They were afraid of what Paul might do to her. But for some reason, Dorothy just didn't see this. I mean, she had been with him for a minute. I think she just felt safe with him. She knew that Paul loved her. And I don't think she thought he would ever hurt her or try try to hurt her. Dorothy actually snuck over to Paul's house because Peter told her, absolutely not, you are not going over there. And she knew that if she told Peter she was going, he was going to get mad. And Dorothy really didn't think anything would happen. So she decided to go. Dorothy arrived at Paul's house around 11.45 in the morning. Now, Paul actually had two roommates, a woman named Patty Larman and a man named Dr. Stephen Kushner. And I'm gonna refer to the second roommate as Dr. Kushner for the remainder of the episode. Just a little sidebar, Paul actually tried to turn his roommate Patty into the next Dorothy, but it ultimately didn't end up working. She was also very beautiful, but she was just way too young. So Paul let Patty know that Dorothy was going to be coming over and he asked her if she could kind of step out for a while to give them some time and space. She said, absolutely, that's perfectly fine. So she left some time that morning. Paul's other roommate, Dr. Kushner, he actually lived in the section of the home that was upstairs. Paul lived downstairs. Dr. Kushner lived upstairs and I believe Patty lived upstairs as well in a separate room. Dr. Kushner had actually been staying at his girlfriend's house the night before on August 13th and he went straight to work from her house. So he had not been in the home that day. Sometime in the late afternoon, Patty returned to the home that she shared with Paul and Dr. Kushner. Now, upon her arrival, she saw Dorothy's car, a Mercury Cougar, parked out front and she also saw Paul's Mercedes. So she said, oh, okay, you know, she's still here. Things must have gone pretty well because she had been there for a while. So upon walking into the home, Patty notices Dorothy's purse lying on the stairs. She doesn't think too much of it. You know, it looked a bit odd, looked a bit out of place, but she kind of just 
chalked it up to not a big deal. Then Patty notices Dr. Kushner's dog barking in the backyard a lot more than usual. But again, she kind of just chalked it up to maybe he saw something outside or, you know, maybe there was just a random noise. Just didn't make too big of a deal out of it. Later that evening, Dr. Kushner returned to the home as well. And Dr. Kushner and Patty decided to hang out on a couch upstairs and just watch TV together. Now, as I said earlier, Paul stayed on the downstairs level. All of a sudden, they heard Paul's phone ringing from downstairs, but nobody was answering it. And it was at that moment that they both realized how odd it was that they really hadn't heard much movement coming from Paul's section of the house. And they knew that Paul and Dorothy were there because their cars were there. So after a few hours, Dr. Kushner decides to go check on them. So he knocks on Paul's bedroom door and there was no answer. Something told him to just go inside. And what he found was absolutely horrifying. Dr. Kushner noticed upon opening the door that Paul was lying naked on the floor and the front of his face was gone and he was dead at only 29 years old. Dr. Kushner then sees Dorothy and she was up against a wall, also naked, and her face had been blown off and it was clear that she too was gone at only 20 years old. It's just so crazy to think that she had been through so much and she was only 20. To know that her life was taken so soon is just so tragic. And Dr. Kushner reported that there was so much blood. It was like a scene out of a horror movie. Eventually, Patty came downstairs too and saw the horrible scene and they decided to call 911 and report the deaths of their roommate and his estranged wife, Dorothy Stratton. Police arrived and it was clear that Dorothy and Paul were gone. And they found after investigating that Dorothy had been raped by Paul. They couldn't exactly determine whether this happened before or after she was killed, but it was most likely done after because there were bloody handprints found on her buttocks and her left leg. Paul had shot her through the eye with his 12 gauge shotgun and it completely ruined her face. Police felt like this was done deliberately because he could no longer profit off of her anymore. So he decided to ruin the one thing that he felt that she was taking from him. It was pretty much if he couldn't have Dorothy, then no one could. Paul then shot himself in the left temple and he was killed instantly. Upon removing their bodies from the home, police found that Paul was actually laying on top of the gun and he had strands of Dorothy's blonde hair in his right hand. So Dorothy was buried at the Pierce Brothers Westwood Village Memorial Park in Los Angeles. And this was actually the same cemetery that Marilyn Monroe was buried. Peter Bogdanovich, upon receiving the news, he was heartbroken and very, very shocked. I mean, this was the love of his life. And I'm sure when he found out that Dorothy had even gone to Paul's, he was horrified because he knew he told her not to go over there because he was afraid that something like this would happen. I think this is how everybody in Dorothy's life felt. I mean, they told her not to go over there out of fear for her life. And unfortunately, Dorothy just trusted Paul way too much and it ultimately resulted in her death. Peter decided to get an inscription put on Dorothy's grave. And it was a quote from Ernest Hemingway's novel, A Farewell to Arms. And I'm gonna read that for you guys. If people bring so much courage to this world, World, the world has to kill them to break it. So of course it kills them. It kills the very good and the very gentle and the very brace impartiality. If you are none of these things, you can be sure that it will kill you too, but there will be no special hurry. We love you, DR. 
I think DR was a nickname that they had for her or that he had for her. That quote is just so cryptic. I mean, it really, to me, shows that Dorothy just had such beauty and such grace and she finally had gotten the courage to walk away from Paul and just create her own life and forge her own path separate from him. And he killed her over it for his own selfish reasons. Peter later came out and said in an interview, to be candid, I think I lost my mind a bit. I loved her dearly and deeply. I miss her wisdom, her laugh, her warmth, her beauty, her humor, her charm, her elegance, and her empathy. Everything about her I miss, she had. It was also reported that Hugh Hefner was never the same after Dorothy's death. I don't think he ever got over it. I mean, how do you get over something so tragic? I mean, I think Hugh just felt terrible about this whole thing. I mean, nobody had a great feeling about Paul. No one wanted her to be with him. So the fact that he ended up doing this was just everyone's worst nightmare. So on August 14th, 1981, exactly a year after Dorothy was killed, Peter decided to release the movie They All Laughed that she had a small role in. And Peter came out and said about the movie, she was kind of the inspiration for the film in a funny way. Sometimes it's painful to watch. Sometimes I can't take it and just get up and walk out of the room for some of it. And honestly, I couldn't understand that. I couldn't imagine watching Dorothy's beauty being captured on screen and knowing that you won't ever get to see it again in real life and you'll never get to talk to her. It's almost like watching her movie, she's alive again. And it's nice in a way, but there's also that harsh reality that you have to face that she's gone and she's not coming back. And I think that movie in itself just reminds Peter of him and Dorothy's love story. I mean, that was really the start of their love story. They fell in love on set. So to watch that movie, I'm sure just brings all those emotions back. In 1981, a film called Death of a Centerfold was released and it depicted Dorothy's murder. In 1983, the movie Star 80 was released and this movie was based on Dorothy and Paul's marriage and tragic deaths. The movie starred actress Mariel Hemingway as Dorothy and actor Eric Roberts as Paul. And I've never seen the movie, but people who have said that it was a pretty accurate depiction of their relationship and specifically how Paul was and the type of guy he was. In 1984, Peter released a book called The Killing of the Unicorn, Dorothy Stratton, 1960 to 1980. And the book was about Peter and Dorothy's relationship as well as Dorothy's untimely death and how it affected Peter. But Peter dropped a bombshell in this book. He criticized the culture of Playboy and how he felt it played a role in Dorothy's death. He then accused Hugh Hefner of forcing Dorothy into a traumatizing sexual situation she wasn't ready for when she first joined Playboy in 1978. And Peter used the word traumatizing. I'm assuming that Dorothy used this word whenever she allegedly told him about the situation, so he put it in the book. But Hugh Hefner adamantly denies that he ever forced himself onto Dorothy. And he claims that he never even tried to seduce her. I don't know if I believe that he never tried to seduce her, but this is what he came out and said. And this was very upsetting for Hugh Hefner, specifically because one, he claims that he really did love Dorothy as a person and that he would never do anything to harm her, but also because him and Peter were very close. As I said earlier, they had a mutual respect for one another and they got along really well. So I think he was hurt by these allegations allegations. In 1985, Hugh Hefner decided to hold a press conference where he denied the cause of Dorothy's death being related to Playboy, and he instead attributed it to her marriage issues. Now, 
I see where both sides are coming from as far as Playboy's culture playing a role directly or indirectly in Dorothy's death. I personally think it could have played a role indirectly because think about this for a second. So the culture of Playboy is about women pleasing men. And I think Dorothy was so used to living this life being a Playboy model, this habit spilled over into her personal life because the whole reason why she kept meeting up with Paul and or talk about a divorce settlement, I think she was doing this to please him. And this was something that she was used to doing in her job. And I think this habit just spilled over into her personal life. So in a way, maybe the culture of Playboy did contribute to Dorothy's death. So in the years following Dorothy's murder, Peter decided that it was his job to emotionally and financially support her family because she was gone now. And I think Peter felt guilty that he didn't protect Dorothy. So he wanted to make up for this by protecting her family. I get it's normal to feel this kind of guilt when someone that you love and care about gets killed in such a tragic way. But ultimately, I don't think there's anything Peter could have done. He already told her that he didn't want her going over there. But ultimately, Dorothy's going to make her own decisions and what she does. But I think it was just very hard for him to live with for a while. Peter felt like he wanted to pay it forward and he decided to have Dorothy's mother Nellie and her sister Louise move into his home where he could take care of them and protect and watch over them. But Peter got a little close to Dorothy's younger sister Louise. So much so that they ended up getting married in 1988 at a hotel in Vancouver. And Louise was only 20 years old, the same age Dorothy was when she passed away. And Peter was almost 50, almost 50. They were 29 years apart. And I don't wanna judge age gaps, I really don't, but come on. It's a bit odd. I think that they both kind of clung to one another because they lost the same person and they were dealing with a very similar loss. It more so sounds like a trauma bond. Eventually, Louise filed for divorce in 2001 after 13 years of marriage. So they actually were married for over a decade. There was no bad blood and no love lost between them. After they divorced, they decided to become business partners and friends and they actually created a few movies together, but they never had any children together. On January January 6th, 2022, Peter Bogdanovich passed away at the age of 82 due to natural causes. All in all, I think this is really a very tragic story of independence, love, possession, obsession, and greed. Dorothy loved Paul at first. I think because she saw him as a security blanket and a very familiar person in the crazy world of Playboy, she really clung to him. But I think this attraction was based more so off of comfort and security. And once Dorothy became that security for herself and she didn't really need Paul for that anymore, she started to realize the type of guy he really was. I mean, she went out, she saw the world, she met more people, she had amazing opportunities, and she wasn't the naive 18-year-old that Paul met back in 1978. She was really growing into her own woman, and she wanted better for herself. I think becoming a Playboy model really gave her confidence and made her realize that she deserved better than Paul. And it's so sad that upon her realizing that, and trying to break away and forge her own path. And she met another man who she really truly loved. And then for her to just be taken so tragically for such selfish reasons. I mean, she had so much potential and it's sad that we won't really get to know all that she could have became. And because her career was so short, she is more so remembered for her tragic death than her career. But I don't want Dorothy's death to be in vain. This really needs to bring awareness to abusive behavior. And again, noticing those red flags of what to look for. And when you see these things, 
Do not go anywhere alone with this person. And it's so sad that Dorothy even had to be this careful with someone that she loved and felt protected by for so long. But with that, we're going to go ahead and wrap up this episode. Thank you guys so much for listening. Please leave a comment or rating. I want to know what you guys think. And I hope to see you in the water soon.